0: Welcome to the Imagination in Education podcast, produced by a team of teachers and students at LC Press. Our Liverpool-based, homemade podcast is food for thought, for educators, for students, and for anyone who is interested in using their imagination to make schools places of joy, discovery, and the development of human potential. Please visit www.lcpress.org.uk to learn more about us and our show. The opinions expressed on the podcast are those of our guests and presenters only. Enjoy the show and keep using your imagination. And today on the podcast, we have with us Martin Bramley. Not many people will know about this man, but I sure do. And I asked him to come on the podcast because I've always wanted to talk about school with a real entrepreneur. And Martin Bramley is a real entrepreneur. Uh, he's built a business. He employs a lot of people. And of course, entrepreneurism and entrepreneurial activity is a huge part of our country, of our life. Uh, we need entrepreneurs. Uh, the city of Liverpool, our region needs entrepreneurs. And Martin is one of those. Welcome to the show, Martin. And let me start by saying tell, tell us what you do at the moment. Tell us about your entrepreneurial activity.
1: Hello, Hanson. Thanks for having me. Well, one of these uh, very um, under-the-radar businesses, but I think we come into your lives probably every single day. My company uh, designs, manufactures, imports and distributes gift packaging, which is wrapping paper, gift bags, gift boxes, cards, bags, tags, tinsel, anything and everything you will use buy and use for a birthday party an anniversary a wedding Christmas Father's Day so if you're now looking at your Father's Day card on the side or you're looking at a present wrapped in paper sitting in a gift bag with a bow on it waiting to go to your little cousin hopefully that's something that's come from our business or at least it's the industry I'm in there are plenty of competitors but we are one of the top three to five uh, in size in the UK. So hopefully uh, if you've been to a Clinton's, a card factory, a Home Bargain, a BM, and a range, kind of a Primark, Matterland store, you'll have bought something in gift packaging. It'll have been designed, manufactured, imported, and distributed by us. Hey, I, I find that totally fascinating. Here we are, we're, you know,
0: we're alive. We never actually think... Uh, about all the things we use, we have in front of us, you know, this coffee cup sitting here. It all comes from someone and it all comes from some business. How the heck did you get into Christmas? I mean, did you love Christmas cards? Were you a little boy that just wanted (laughs) to give cards to his parents? How does a person, you know, use in a way their life and their life's energy to build a business in that field? How How did you find out about this stuff?
1: I think like most, not all, But like most businessmen, I think you'll find, especially the ones that have been around a long time and have sticked with the same product type or in the same industry, they will have potentially, A, inherited it from a family, or B, they'll have fallen into it by accident. (laughs) I don't think you you sort of sit at school and say, when I grow up, I'm going to sell wrapping paper and gift bags. What you do say, and what does happen, I think is you say you want to do something and what I wanted to do or what I ended up doing was buying and selling things buying for 50p selling for 60p and that didn't start off straight away in gift wrapping and gift packaging it started off and you call yourself a trader and there's hundreds of people out there now with eBay and Amazon buying and selling stuff all the time so I started off as a trader I happened to be working for someone who had a distribution agreement with a Danish gift wrap factory for the UK. I was working for this guy who had the uh, distribution agreement and then we just grew it. And I was fortunate enough to be involved, to become a shareholder, to drive the business, to get more and more involved. And as we grew in that particular area, and don't forget, in, in those days, we were still buying and selling fireworks and tinsel and Christmas trees and toilet paper and gadgets and games and things that you see around on on the beaches and on the promenades. And the wrapping paper just happened to be a very lucrative, voluminous product during the Christmas period that overtook everything else. And it became a fixture in our trading company. And then all all I did as years progressed was added accessories that suited that product so when I went to see a buyer to sell them wrapping paper the buyer would say the Matalan buyer the Primark buyer etc would say what else do you have and of course we had nothing else so I had to get myself on a plane and go to China and see what other products fitted alongside wrapping paper it happened to be the obvious ones like gift tags and bows and ribbons and then it became gift bags and on and on and on it went and it was in my situation i didn 't inherit anything. It started as a small thing. it grew into a bigger thing, and then you add and add and a layer and layer and layer and that 's how you end up with a with a big business One of the things
0: that fascinated me in, in that fascinating sort of account of how a business grows and how that snowballs is at the very beginning you said and this is reflecting on school and your school, you said, you know, I wasn't sitting at school thinking one day I'm going to sell uh, birthday cards and wrapping paper, but I was sitting at school thinking, you know, I want to do something. I want to do something. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that because as as a teacher, I see that every single day. You know, kids actually want to do something and I'm not always sure that school gives them the opportunity to do it or inspires them to do it. What was your time at school like? How how did a person with that entrepreneurial desire that you
1: had experience school? Well, I have to be honest. Let's just say I was born in the mid-60s. So anyone listening can kind of work out my age. When I was at school, I wasn't particularly motivated with lessons and learning. I would say now, some years on, if I could say anything to anyone, I would say this. If you think you want to be a marine biologist, for example, as, a, as a, an example, study hard the things that evolve around being a marine biologist. If you want to be a, uh, a mathematician, then you study maths. If you want to be an English literature teacher, you study, or an English teacher, you study English. I think for me, when you talk about what what I was doing at school, here's a great story for you. We were asked in our year who wants to do geology and who wants to do typing true story old typewriters 30 on on desks and we all piled in and learned to type so I went home and I said to my dad I've got I've got a choice to do geology or or typing and he said no problem it's super simple he said do you think you'll ever need geology in your life I said no I'm not sure He said, do you think you'll ever need typing? Because computers and, you know, typing, a typewriter is a useful thing to learn because you type letters computers weren't around in my day. So it was was basically what is more useful that will be more useful to you in your life. And it was a no-brainer. And he said, by the way, there's more girls in a typing class than boys, so you're going to have a great time. So I chose typing me, me and one other guy and 28 girls. So it was like heaven. But the sensible story is, as time progressed, I can now blind touch type properly, covering all the keys with my fingers without looking at the keyboard. 30, 40 years on, computers typing, the use of a keyboard is commonplace, like taking a shower. And hey, guess what? I can type. I can touch type. Of course, if you told me 40 years ago that the computer was going to evolve and everyone would have a computer, you wouldn't think so. But it's all about, at school, study the things that you think are going to be useful to you in your later life. And I think maths, If so you're going to be a rock star. You need maths and you need English. You need to be articulate. You need to read a contract. And you need to understand all, all the money you're earning from all the things you're doing. Even as a rock star, you need to be learning something. Don't learn geography. Don't learn geology. Don't necessarily learn biology, history, but learn maths and English. So for me, when anyone listening out there who hates school, doesn't want to do school, that's okay. But you're going to have to do something one day. A footballer, they get 200 grand a week. How, how are you going to know what £200,000 a week looks like on a payslip if you don't understand maths? How are you going to know what cal- the tax calculation is worked out and what your tax liability oh, I'll give it to my accountant. I don't deal with that stuff. But there's plenty of people, wealthy, successful, famous actors, footballers, rock stars have been ripped off over the years by their accountants because they didn't know what they were looking for. So if you're going to do something in your life, think of the subject – that's gonna apply to what you wanna do. Does that help? (laughs) Uh, It certainly doesn't help the geography department,
0: Martin. Uh, Uh, And uh, Is there anything that you wish, well, you, you mentioned typing. Did you learn anything at school that was specifically useful to an entrepreneur? Did you learn something entrepreneurial at
1: school? Or did you just learn that in other places? There'll be plenty of people listening to this who go, hey, yeah, I do that. But did I learn anything at school about enteralism? I was the guy that worked out if you bought a multi-pack bag of crisps for two pound and they had 12 bags in them and you got 50p a bag, you got six quid back. So I worked out. That's 32. a hell of a margin you were making there. Well, and Maybe maybe I'm exaggerating. I'm just trying to use easy math. So I don't do yeah. it. But basically when there was multi-pack offers of Mars bars or Kit Kats or cans of Coke, I'd go in and buy the multi-pack and put it in my bag, take it in. And then someone would say to me, oh, you know, I could do it a snack. Or in those days, there weren't necessarily touch shops or I don't know if there is today. But anyway. At school, you learn as an entrepreneur, and you you don't know you're an entrepreneur, don't forget. I I didn't, for a minute, think ever I was going to be this successful. I I thought I'd just survive, and my priority was to just get a living and have a roof over my head and not just that. I mean, that was it in those days, but there was no Google and there was no Instagram and Facebook, and you didn't see the the things that, that everyone has today, so it was a different lifestyle. But it taught me that as long as you've got demand for a product and enough people around you, you'll always hopefully sell that product. That's what it taught me. But it, I, at the time, I probably didn't realize. Well, I probably did realize. Interesting. I wouldn't have done it or I wouldn't have done it.
0: <laughs> All right, let's take a little music break and we'll be back with Martin Bramley, Reflections of an Entrepreneur on School. Today's
2: musical item is a rendition of On My Own from Les Mis, performed by Ellis, in year twelve, schoolhouse. We hope you enjoy. And now I'm all alone again, where to go or want to turn to. I did not want your money, sir. I came out here because I was told to. And now the night is near. Now I can make believe he's here. Sometimes I walk. Since he goes to bed way I close my eyes
0: We're back with Martin Bramley, entrepreneur. And uh, I am utterly fascinated by people who are entrepreneurs and how they experienced school because I, I, my own experience of school was I ended up translating a lot of Latin and Greek and reading a heck of a lot of books. But an enormous number of people I went to school with ended up doing very entrepreneurial things, totally unrelated to anything they learned at school. We've been talking to Martin Bramley who explained that he did typing in part because there were more girls in the typing class. Martin, when you reflect back, could
1: schools do more to create or encourage entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurialism is just, I mean, the definition in the dictionary is one thing, but I think if you think you want to be an entrepreneur, you, you have to think about nothing else but working selfishly, tirelessly for hours, days, weeks, months, and years forever. I don't believe or think there's one entrepreneur out there that has ever done ever in his life a four-hour day or a four-day week. So if you had to think about what should a school teach a child about entrepreneurialism, it's about there is no quick get-rich scheme. There is no easy route. And as long as you are armed with a good standard of English, maths and possibly Latin, a language for example. If you are articulate and you can spell and read and you are good with numbers which is crucial. I suppose school has to tell you that there is no get-rich-quick schemes and you have to put in the hard yards and it's as boring a statement and a common statement that you'll hear forever and ever and the reason for that is it's true there is no it is just fact so school has to say to kids if you want to be successful in any field you have to be prepared to work hard and whilst you think today that working hard at school isn't important it basically molds your ability to be able to trust in yourself, to concentrate and work hard. So even if now today somebody said to me, you have to learn the saxophone or you have to learn Spanish, and that's learning. It's in a classroom. It's with something you have to learn. The one thing I'll give, which probably I wouldn't have given as a younger lad, is the time, the hours, the effort, the hard yards. If I want to learn a saxophone, I can't learn a saxophone one hour a day, one day a week. I have to play the saxophone for two or three hours a day, five days a week. And and, and that's life and that's school. So if you want to be okay, do an okay day. If you want to be useless, don't bother. Don't go to school. If you want to be really switched on and focused on what you want to do in your life, then you have to be focused at school because that's where you'll learn the discipline for the rest of your life. But of course, they don't tell you that at school because it's boring and you think it's a waste of time.
0: But I think, Martin, I think what you're saying is extremely helpful. And it's interesting, you don't propose that we all of a sudden have all sorts of entrepreneur courses and activities, but that the discipline of going to school itself, the message it communicates about what you put in is what you get out, uh, the ability to concentrate on something, to put in a full shift, to give your attention to things, all these skills which are potentially being developed translating Greek texts or doing things that seem irrelevant, are actually molding and forming this personality of the entrepreneur. If you had to give advice to a young person listening to this podcast, perhaps at our school, who dreams of being an, uh, an entrepreneur, and believe me, I've got a lot of uh, sellers of uh, chocolate bars and uh, crisp packets, and, and the LucasAid trade is something that I've been trying to suppress uh, for twelve years now. And I, I I'm, I'm switch not really, to
1: water, people. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, not,
0: water. I'm, not I'm not winning. I'm not winning. But anyway, uh, you know, I've got, I've got my own uh, future budding entrepreneurs, but if you were giving advice to a young person on this podcast of how to prepare to become an entrepreneur, other than this message you have about, about in a sense, disciplining yourself to have the resilience and the determination to stick with things,
1: what other things can people do, you think, to prepare for that? Well- there is a really good answer to that which is really quick and it's it's actually one word and it's it's fairness it is not cool not clever and will will not give you any form of longevity if you define the role of an entrepreneur is to extract as much profit as fast as possible from everyone you encounter a business transaction is one where both parties walk away happy and feel comfortable with each other's role so fairness it's not about i mean i don't know if i can use the word screwing someone it's not about screwing someone to the floor and taking every last dime off them it's about being open and honest and fair so that both parties are walking away from the deal happy with the deal if you walk away from a deal and you think i've been had i've been conned i've been cheated then you're never going to go back to them, and they're never going to come back to you, and you're dead. The deal—that's one—it's a one-off opportunity that's gone forever. I don't know if that helps, the, if that answers the question. But
0: well, I think that, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's interesting to think that one of the considerations you need to develop is a sense of justice and fairness, and, and fairness and yeah. understanding uh, of of uh, of the moral role in a way. Yes. Uh, you know, going all the way back to Adam Smith and, and free markets and people trading. Uh, it's a, it's a moral enterprise to be in business is really what you're saying. You've, you've got to keep at the center, uh, some sense of what's right and what's wrong. Martin, why did, why does it go wrong so often? You yourself have been very successful, although I'm sure there were moments in in your career when things weren't going so well. But when we look around us, it just seems desperately difficult for people to have a really successful business and keep it successful. What are the
1: factors that, that make this so difficult for people? I think that you've got to think about, well, you have to think about a house. If you have a bungalow on a piece of land that's been built and you decide you're going to build on top of that bungalow 20 storeys and create flats, the chances are the foundations that were laid to hold up the bungalow won't be good enough to hold up your 20-storey apartment block. So what I find incredibly interesting when I look at businesses, when I give people advice or they ask me for help, is that they don't have the foundations in place at the right time to cope or deal with their particular passage or position. So if you're a small business, you don't need 30,000 square foot of office space. If you're a huge business, you can't operate in 5,000 square foot of office space. So people go wrong by growing too quickly in one particular area and not bringing all the other departments with them or they have too much around them and don't have enough income to sustain the costs so getting the balance is crucial and the balance is the skill and not everyone is able so you hear all the time about keeping 10 plates spinning all the time or you know how hard is it to keep 10 plates spinning and business is broken down into departments that all function independently but together to create the business and what I find is that the infrastructure that supports the business is either too big or too small to carry you on to the next stage so that's where a lot of it goes wrong there is a an urgency urgency to get big too quickly or there's a lack of urgency not to grow the business quickly enough and I think balance is fundamental and everywhere i go and anyone i speak to i look at a fantastic product that's got a great price with great manufacturing but they have no money i look at people that have lots of money but no ideas i have lots of people that have lots of money lots of ideas but know nothing about distribution and then i know people have distribution lots of money lots of money but they have no sales force and on and on and on it goes layer after layer after layer department after department i've done And the foundations, ultimately, if you go, if you're a small business and you've got a capacity to make a thousand widgets a week, there is no point going into Tesco who want 20,000 widgets a week. You'll go bust. You'll let them down. You'll fail for no reason other than you weren't ready for that order. It's like the guy with 20,000 widgets a week goes to a corner shop, will have 100 off him. He needs to find the partner that can cope with the volume he's able to produce. And that's. it's incredible how many people just don't get that that link between all those different things.
0: Martin, thank you so much. Thank you for talking to us. This is absolutely stimulating. I very much think that in schools we, we live a little bit in the bubble. To be honest, uh, a little bit in a world that uh, we've got a very high fence around every school in this country. Most of our pupils and students are going to work in the private sector. Uh, They're going to make things, they're going to trade things, they're going to be involved in entrepreneurial activity, which requires a lot of the traits that you've described. You've given us a lot to think about. Uh, You've been as ever wise, eloquent and funny, and I appreciate all three of those things. Martin Brampley, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast and we thank you for listening. More information and material can be found on www.lcpress.org.uk. If you have an idea for a podcast or would like to contribute to the show, why not email us at at editorlcpress.org.uk? Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LC Press and Imagination in Education. See you next time.